Proverbs. We have a thought for you this day. And uh, I'm asking God to bless it to your souls, bless it to your lives. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God and righteousness. I think one of the most noted verses in the scripture is, is Matthew 6, 33. It's the verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then all things will be added unto you. And as you read that scripture, you say to yourself, what things? We love things. Well, what things? Well, the chapter starts off telling us to not be worried about anything. Uh, no, we're in Proverbs 11. The only thing is I'm making reference to Matthew 6, 33. But from Matthew 6, I'm going right back to uh, uh, Proverbs. Thank you. That's why the choir is here to let me know where I'm going and where I'm coming from, and I love it. Don't ever think, you know, I'm wondering if we get a thousand seat auditorium, could I still have Caesar at my feet sitting here? <laughs> I mean, I think we've gotta, we've gotta practice these things so we don't lose them. Praise the Lord. Now, what things in 633 of Matthew seek ye first the kingdom of God? Well, what things was Jesus talking about? He was talking about what shall we eat? Now that's important. What shall we dress? What things? In other words, the eating, the, the, the drinking, the dressing, the things that make us anxious, the things that we feel are necessary for life, whether it be education, whether it be relationships, whatever it is. It says seek first the kingdom of God and then all things. He'll put the relationships together. He'll put your life together. There will be a flow when all your needs will be met. And where, when they're not met, when you want them, he'll meet them in his due time. And so we give him glory. Now, why are these things so entwined? What things? Well, the kingdom of God, the righteousness, and, and then all the other things. Why does God tie this all up? Well, they're entwined because we have a secular life. Is not my secular life mine to choose? Is not my secular life mine to do or to be? And, and here is the sad part. Some people will say to me, Sister Amy, Pastor Amy, don't mix my secular with my spiritual. I know how to keep one thing separated from the other. Well, that's why we're such a mess. Because we do separate them. And the thing is, you can't separate them. You can't. You've got to integrate them, not separate them. You've got to integrate them. Now. When does the mixing of the secular and the spiritual bother us? Well, number one, when we establish different room, rules for different circumstances, especially when we're in trouble. 
we go through a whole other set of rules. Let me explain what I mean. We are living in a dog-eat-dog world. It's the truth. And sometimes you say, well, in this dog-eat-dog world, sister, you can't apply the spiritual. Well, I have to say, sorry, you can't afford to not apply the spiritual. Precisely because it is a dog-eat-dog world. We have got to apply spiritual precepts, concepts, the spirituality that now I'm not talking about Bible waving. I'm not talking about stomping on your uh, your your workmates because they curse or smoke. Don't you dare think that that's what I'm talking about. Whoever drinks, hey, they drink. Whoever smokes, hey, they smoke. Whoever lives the life that they live, that's the life that they lead. You see, God hasn't called you to judge the world. He didn't even send Jesus to judge the world. And Jesus says, I have not come to judge the world. Why? Because the world has already been judged. Judged and condemned. I've come to save them. If people will believe in him. And this is important because as soon as you put your eyes out on that world, as a Christian, sometimes in our immaturity, we think we've got a job of straightening up the world. You're not going to straighten up anybody. But somehow or other, we become possessed with this thought. And if we move into certain legalisms, then we think it's our duty. Then we think that is what God has called us to do. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. We must, we must mix our spiritual with our secular. Because if there is no spirituality in your secular life, you will fail. And I'm going to prove how you fail. You say, listen, Sister Amy, what about the billionaires out there? What about the million? I'll tell you about them in a minute. I've got them all lined up. I've even got a name of a few, okay? Just hold steady. Now, why is it? That when we mix the secular with the spiritual, why? why? Why does this bother us when somebody says to us that under all circumstances we should be spiritual? I'll tell you why it bothers us. Because we don't always have the same spiritual climate. Okay? Well, it's like a thermometer. We can run very hot and we can run very cold. But there is a temperature, and we've got to ask God to help us. Let me tell you when the temperature changes, with mood changes. You see, folks, you've got to be very careful of what puts you in moods. You must not let anything do that. Nothing at all. When I am seeing something on television, I'm going to be very truthful with you. And I see that there is a discomfort in my spirit at what I am seeing. And then I realize I'm having no control over the discomfort. Guess what? I turned it off. Because, you see, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Oh, but Sister Amy, as a pastor and as a woman of God, do you not have the maturity to go through all of that? Do you not have the stamina? Do you not have the fortitude? That's good for us peons, but not for someone. Uh, no. 
guess what? If I can't take it, bye-bye, birdie. No, I am no giant. I am no giant. That does not mean I can swallow all the pills. Listen, if you give me a pill for something that I can't take, I'm going to die from it. And so be careful. And I say this, I say this very kindly. And when I'm seeing something that I love, I'm, I, I'm, into, uh, I'm into a lot of things, but uh, I can't tell you all of them. Uh, but I, I like old movies. Let, let, me, let me be very truthful to you. Especially the 26 years that I never saw one. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm backlogged. There's so much I haven't seen. So w with this backlog, there's lots of things that I'm seeing and that I am enjoying. Okay? But nothing that I like to do interferes with my spiritual life. Nothing. Nothing. I do not see three videos and not pray. I can't afford that. You see, that's a luxury I can't afford. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is, be careful with your mood changes. Be careful with your bitter roots. You say, Sister Amy, I don't have bitter roots. Can I prove to you you have bitter roots? Can I prove it to you? When you look at somebody you don't like, your face changes. And the thing is this, you don't even know it changes. You don't even know it yet. Everybody around you knows it changes. But you don't know because why? Because it's so automatic that the... <laughs> you don't even know it. You don't even know it. The scripture says that bitter roots, you know what they do? They kill you. They kill you. It's in here. It kills you. You say, sister, I've got a boss that if you don't have bitter roots with him, nobody in the world could have anything but. No, 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 no. But listen, this is why we seek the kingdom first. So no bitter roots can take hold of us and tear us apart. You know, it's important that you go to work happy. It's important that you go to work in the right frame of mind. It's important that you rush up those steps and say hello to your comrades in arms with joy, with something to offer, especially if you're a Christian. Now, I don't want you to go and God bless you, huh? God bless you, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, God bless you. No, don't do that. I mean, don't get a paddy wagon after you. No, don't do that. But be, be sure that your spirit is touched of the Lord. This is why I'm saying... Many people don't want to mix. They say, I never mix the secular with the spiritual. And I say, that's why you're such a mess. Because you got to. You can't be without it. What happens? Why, why, why does it bother us when somebody tells us because we're out of touch? Watch out for melancholy. Melancholy is like a cute little poodle that looks like it could do nothing to you. And you grab its curly little top and boom, she bit you. Melancholy. Watch out for it. Watch out for it, folks. Because melancholy leads to depression. It may start off just being a song that you remember. And I got a few songs. I really do. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. Sentimental things of life apply. Hey, come on, I can go through the whole. This is it. 
watch out, folks, okay? Because when something good turns over and you don't have a spiritual application for it, it'll depress you. It'll depress you. And watch out for rebellion. You say, Sister Amy, I'm too old to rebel. No, we all rebel. And only God can help us. I want to give you just a little rundown, and now we are in Proverbs 11. Just a little rundown as to what this business of righteousness is. It's not perfection. It's not being top of the hill. It, it, it's not being the soldier that wants to make all the, what do you call it, all the ribbons. In Proverbs 11, just read with me, not with me, just listen. It's the fourth verse. Your riches won't help you on judgment day. I want you to think about the big fella that's going up. He can't mix the spiritual with the religious because you see his accounts are on Wall Street and his accounts are in big places. And he'll turn around and he says, look, I've got a lot of nonprofit organizations that I sustain and I help, so it's important that I, uh, that I make these big bucks. Mm, doesn't matter how. Now listen to what the Bible says. Your riches won't help you on judgment day. Only righteousness counts then. Whoa, don't we have the topic? Your riches won't help you on judgment day. You say, Sister Amy, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Come with me to the fifth verse, won't you please? Good people are directed by their honesty. And what does it mean? The righteous. That's good people. That's another word for it in the Living Bible. The righteous are directed by their honesty. The wicked shall fall beneath their load of sins. This is important, folks. I want to be righteous because if I'm righteous, listen to what it says. Righteousness makes a straight way. And it says the wicked are brought down. I want to go the straight way. I really do. It's important for me. Verse 8, please. God rescues the righteous from danger. I like that. I like that. The biblical breakdown of why is it worth being righteous. Number one, that's what's going to help you on judgment day. Number two, it gives you a straight way. God's leading you. Righteousness is the righteous are rescued from trouble. You say, Sister Amy, I'm righteous, if, if it means a believer. But I've had a lot of situations in which uh, I've gone through. Yeah, you've gone through. That's the word. Some through the waters. Some through the fire. Some through great sorrow. But all through the blood. You see, that God is with you doesn't mean you've got the easy way out. It means he'll see you through to the very end. And that is what's important, folks. Verse 18 in this very same chapter, it says, The evil man gets rich for the moment, but the righteous man's rewards last forever. How long do they last? Forever. Why? Because they're counted in eternity. Because there's a roll call up there. Because God keeps good records. And I don't know if you know it, but after we're through down here, there's a lot of work to be done with the master. 16 of the 30 some odd 
times that Jesus spoke in parables, he always spoke about people that were good stewards, people that did well, people that were given so much to produce so much more, people that were given uh, gardens and people that were given land and people that were all of that. And Jesus made it a point to let us know that you're not going to a lazy man's heaven. We are going to reign with Christ. We are going to be with him. I've got news for you. There's a lot of things going to happen up there. And the place where you prepare for up there is down here. That's why the key of the truth of following God is faithfulness. Faithfulness to him. Because it's a faithfulness that will carry over right into eternity. Verse 19. I think that's the one we just... No. The righteous man finds life. And the evil man finds death. Now let's go on to the verse 28. And I love it. Trust in your money and you go down. Trust in God. And that's what the righteous man does. He trusts in God and he flourishes like a tree. He's like the person. He's like the tree planted. Where? And the, where the waters run. I, I, want you, I want you to see that one with me. Because it's one of the most beautiful declarations of whoever, whoever serves the Lord. And it's the very first psalm. And listen to the way it goes because it says something to, to us. Uh, it says the following, but they that delight in doing everything God wants them to, Psalm 1, 2, it's what God wants them to, and day and night are always meditating on his law, thinking about the ways to follow him more closely. They're like trees along a riverbank, bearing luscious fruit each season without fail. Their leaves shall never wither, and all they do shall prosper. And then it goes on, it says, but for the sinner, it's a different story. They blow away like the chaff before the wind. They're not safe on judgment day. Once again, it comes up. They shall not stand among the godly. For the Lord watches over all the plans of the righteous man. But the path of the godless leads to doom. You say, Sister Amy, but I, I read that and I, I, I don't feel as good as those verses. Like, I, I, I believe, uh, but I don't feel righteous. I got problems with that. Every now and then I say what I shouldn't say. Every now and then I do what I shouldn't do. Every now and then, oh, Sister Amy, I got so many problems. So when I look at the righteous man, I'm not too sure I'm him. When I look at the wicked man, oh, no, no, I'm not him. Uh, at least I don't want to be him, okay? So what happens where does the application come into us? Let me tell you where it comes in. Jesus said to us that his death on Calvary, and what a powerful death. With that death, God accepted us as his children. And when we're covered, we're covered with his blood, which makes us whiter than snow and takes care of the sins. But guess what else we're given? We're covered with his righteousness. You say, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? It means that Jesus went to God. And when Jesus went to God, he took with him our redemption and our salvation. 
Matter of fact, let me tell you something. God looks down from heaven at everyone that's believed in Jesus. And I don't know if you know it, but I'm going to tell you today. And I want you to hear me carefully. When God looks at you, he sees his son. Because whoever has let Jesus into their heart, whoever has accepted him as their savior, there he sits in all his glory and in all his majesty. But you see, how much we have of him, that depends on us. How much his life covers our life, it depends on the process. How quick are you getting into him? How close are you moving to him in prayer, in Bible study, in this private situation of you and God? But can I tell you something? Even if you are on step one of the process, in God's eyes, you're righteous. For God sees his son, and you are found righteous in God's son. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? You see, it's called substitution. And it's called substitution because God's given us all the time of our lives to get to be like him. Don't you like that? I've got all day today. I've got all day tomorrow. I've got all day next week. I've got all day until I breathe my last breath to want to be just like him. But in the meantime, God looks at me and sees him. Yahoo! That's hallelujah. Yes, God looks at me and sees his son. And guess what? I'm found righteous. That, that's very humbling. That is very humbling to me. You see, God sees a finished product. I get mad at myself because I'm so undone. I get mad at myself because every now and then I fly off the handle. God looks down from heaven and sees me righteous. Guess what? That's all I need. It's his righteousness that counts, not yours or mine. And God sees us. And when he sees us, he sees his son. Oh, I love that. I love it. I want you to look with me in just a few things. Look with me to the book of Psalms. Come to the 12th Psalm, won't you please, for just a minute. Hallelujah. Psalm 12, listen to what it says. I love David. I think when David was writing all these Psalms, I think the maids were throwing them out. I really do. I think his mother threw out a lot of his scraps. You know, he just wrote and wrote and wrote, but the Holy Spirit managed to make sure he kept. But I, that, that's why I, I tell you people, write journals, not diaries. They'll take you to jail. <laughs> not, a, not a diary. Don't do that. A journal. What's the difference? Oh, there's a big difference. Uh, the journal is your journey. Writing down your spiritual journey. How did it go today? Oh, Sister Amy, uh, that's okay, write it down. Did it go that bad? Write it down. Don't give me details. Don't name names. Just talk about your journey. Just talk about how dark the tunnel was. Just talk about how lonely it was. Just talk about how confusing it was. Just talk about the pain you had as you were going through it. Then take time to take a deep breath and know that he's by your side. 
And all of a sudden, you'll write in your journey, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can feel a presence by my side. I know he is with me. Let it be, please, folks. In this fifth verse, what does it say? And it's so beautiful. And the Lord replies, I will arise and defend the oppressed, the poor, the needy. I will rescue them as they have longed for me to do. Now, in, in, your, in your NIVs and in your King James, uh, it simply says, I will arise and I'll defend the righteous. He will defend the righteous. And what will he do? He said, I'll rescue them as they have longed for me to do. This caught my eye, Cheryl, because all this week we were talking about rescuing with the kids. The Jesus that rescues from the storm, the Jesus that rescues from uh, sickness, the Jesus that rescues uh, from every, every possible situation. And how he didn't rescue himself from death so he could rescue us from eternal death. Oh, it was so, and they understood it. They understood it. Andre gave a beautiful class with some roses. And the life of Jesus was shown in those roses. And as the petals fell, those little kids started to cry. They understood he was dying. They understood. And the only thing left was a stem with thorns on it. Then Andre looked at his little boys and girls and he says, and you see this stem? That's the one that was around his head with the thorns piercing. And those little kids looked up, they understood. They understood. Oh, folks, when we're talking about being righteous, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, the right things in the kingdom. Do right. This is what God says to us. It's worth it. Why? Because the righteous, the scripture says, he plans for the righteous. Plans of the righteous are just. In the seventh verse, would you look at it with me, please? Oh, Lord, we know that you will forever preserve your own from the reach of evil men. Oh, I love that. I love that. He will preserve his own. And then it goes on and it tells us how he'll preserve the house and how he'll preserve their lives. And chapter 13, what does it say? It goes on and it says, Lord, how long, Lord, will you forget me? Isn't, it, it doesn't that, isn't that the way you feel when you're starting in your trials and tribulations? God forgot me. He left me. I'm alone. No, he hasn't. How long will you forget me, Lord, forever? How long will you look the other way when I'm in need? How long must I be hiding and daily anguish my heart? How long shall my enemies have the upper hand? Answer me, O Lord my God. Give me light in darkness lest I die. Don't let my enemies say we've conquered him. Don't let them boast or gloat that I am down. But I will always trust in you and your mercy and shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has blessed me so richly. The righteous, listen to this, the righteous, and I, 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 love, the way, I love the way the scripture says it, the righteous God, God's the man of integrity. In other words, the righteousness, God's the man of integrity. And why, who teaches us to be right? Jesus. That's why Tuesday when I shared with the church, Jesus is a master of reality. 
there's a whole tape on it. But it was just those times when the people tried to get Jesus and tried to twist his thinking or try to make him sound cruel or try to put words into his mouth so he could be condemned by them. You can't do that. You see, they were dealing with the wisdom of God. They were dealing with the creator of heaven and earth. They thought he was just another man, but he was God's son. And I say to you this day with all of my heart, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And what? All things will be added unto you. Have you ever felt God was slow? Come on, let me see your hands. Isn't it the truth? Isn't it the truth? You just think he's so slow. We want everything yesterday. We want everything quick. But you know something? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its rightness, the right things within the kingdom, then all things will be added. The only thing is, you see, God isn't Santa Claus, and I love him for that. He isn't Batman, and I love him for that. He isn't Superman, I love him for that. He's not Captain Marvel, I love him for that. He's not. He's not the Shazam that's there. He's the God that you speak to. And when he sees you ready for the answer, when he sees you prepared for his grace and power, when he sees you can take what he's ready to deliver into your soul and into your heart, then it comes. And almost when it does come, you almost think you don't need it. You say, wow, I've gone through this all by myself. I've strengthened myself. I've hung in there myself. No, your strength came from him. Your grace came from him. Your power came from him. And now he's going to give you the answer to all your petitions. Say amen.